poor. Giving to the poor was a requirement of the New Testament church. You know, I love what William Barclay said about this type of giving. He says, the finest gifts are given, not after waiting until a need has to be asked for, but by the man whose eye sees and whose heart feels and whose hand is stretched out even before the request is made. It is while we were yet the enemies that Christ died for us. God hears our prayers even before we speak them, and we should be to our fellow man even as God has been to us. Isn't that cool? In other words, we shouldn't just be waiting for needs to be asked for. We should be watching for areas. We should be listening for those in need. We should, our hands should be poised to release blessing into those with need and those who are poor. You know, Jesus taught, this was taught by Jesus, as one of the acts of righteousness for everyone. It's one of the acts that we as believers should perform. Matthew 6, which is a, you know, really the whole chapter, is about giving. He says this, Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose a reward from your, heaven, from your Father in heaven. But when you give to someone in need, when you give to someone in need, not if you give, but when you give. And, and so I really want to make a strong distinction this morning. Tithe is an area of obedience that we give to God in honor to worship and to bless Him. And again, it, it's for the, it, the, the church benefits. It benefits man, but its focus is on God. When you give the tithe, you're giving to God, although the, the benefits go to man. But when it comes to giving to the poor, we are actually giving to the need. You understand that? We're actually giving to the person in need. But God takes it very personally. See, there, there are two different, if you like, there are two different directions involved when we tithe and when we give to those in need. To, the tithe is commanded. How you give, when you give, uh, are all set out. But when you give to those in need, when you give out of compassion, it's just commanded that you give because you have a heart for the poor, because you have a passion for those in need. And, it's, and you know, tell you what, it is okay to be moved by need. You give because of the need. That's okay. I mean, Jesus ministered, it says again and again in the New Testament, out of, out of encounter, out of um, a mercy, out of compassion, out of the need that he encountered. But listen, it's not an option to give to the needy. Do you understand what I'm saying? How you give to the needy is up to you, but it's not. we need to build that into our system of life. We really do need to build it into our system of life. It's found, it was foundational to the New Testament church. When Paul and Silas were being sent out, being commissioned to go out and preach the gospel to the Gentile world, it says this in Galatians 2. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who are known as the pillars of the church, recognized the gift, of God, the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep the preaching to the, gospel, to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Now listen to this. The only thing they asked us to do so here's, okay, so here's the setting. Paul and Barnabas are meeting with the apostolic leaders of the church. This is the turning point. The church is about to move from just being a, a subset in Judaism and to begin to preach to the Gentile world. And they've met and they've talked and they've prayed and they've fellowshiped and, and it's been recognized that Paul and Barnabas are to be sent out and they're saying, go, go out into the world, go to that Gentile world. But there's one thing we ask you to do. What was that? 
The only thing they asked us to do, verse 10 of Galatians 2, the only thing they asked us to do was that we keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. Keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. You see, interesting, isn't it? Out of all the commissions that they could have given them, out of all the assignments that could have been laid down, the one thing that was given was to remember the poor. You see, and you know what? That was foundational to the growth of the church. That was foundational to the growth of the church. Now there's a, in Proverbs 19 verse 17, it says this, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and who will pay you for your deed. See, there's a reward promised by the Lord when you help the poor. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will, pay, pay, he will repay you for your deed. In other words, when you help to the poor, you're effectively loaning to God. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. You know, when you're loaning to God, I mean, come on, loaning to God, I think the return's going to be pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Because God says he will repay you for that deed of giving to the poor. Proverbs 21, 13 says that this can be a, a, it can be a key to answered prayer for our own financial need. It says this, 21, Proverbs 21, verse 13, those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their time of need. Why is that? Why is that? Because Scripture says that they've held back from giving and they haven't received. Luke 6, verse 38, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will be determined Sorry, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. See, this isn't about the tithe. This is not about giving God. This is about giving to others. This is about positioning yourself to be a person who blesses those around you. Freely you have received. Freely give. See, this is one of the places that we see increase. See, remember, tithing guarantees provision. It guarantees the opening of spiritual blessing. But giving to the poor actually means there will be an increase in your life. The measure you give will determine what you get back. It won't just be the same amount it says here. It says press down, shaken together, make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. Do you get the sense of the extreme of that? See, he's talking, and he's talking about finances there. I love what Jake Hayford said. He says this, God will get it to you if he can get it through you. God will get it to you if he can get it through you. You see, if we hold on, if we grip to everything we have, if we live in that spirit, or really the spirit of mammon, holding on to, for me, it doesn't allow God to bless us with more. If we can release it through us, if he can release it through us into those around us, then he can give it to us. This is, this is you know, it's again, remember we live in the upside down kingdom. You receive by giving. You, die, you live by dying. You become first by being last. You get blessed by giving away. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom that we are citizens of. <laughs> this is what he's calling us to. We need to position ourselves to receive more from God. We do so by giving. Giving of arms. Giving to the poor. Giving to the needy. And as I say, it's, it's different to the tithe. But it's an important thing that we need to know. So we have the giving of the tithe, we have the giving of alms, and the third area is the giving, giving of seed or sowing. Sowing seed. Well, what do I mean by that? 
Well, you see, alms is directed, giving of alms, giving the need is directed at a need. It's where someone's in trouble or in despair, and it's a worthy cause you want to give to, where your heart is moved and you're motivated by compassion. But giving seed or sowing is according to your vision. It's according to your desire. It's really, this is where you see sowing and reaping. See, when you give to the poor, you're giving out of need. But with sowing, you're actually depositing, you're you're putting a seed into the ground. You're sowing into something that's about to be released. The gift is not going to just bring about relief. It's actually sowing into something where you're going to see the fruit of what is happening in that ministry or that that, um, event that you sowed into. See, sowing has a different heart. It It has a different objective. Its motivation is different. When we're giving to the, to the poor, our motivation is out of need. When we're sowing seed, I'm motivated out of vision and passion. See, someone goes on a missions trip, and I hear what God's going to be doing, what they're going to go. They're going to go over, to, and they're going to be preaching the gospel, and they're going to be praying for the sick, and they're going to be doing all these things. And you think, man, I want, to be, I, I, want to, I want some of that. I'm going to sow a seed into that missions trip, into that person's life as they go. That's sowing a seed. See, it's giving to our speakers when they come through. See, when we, come, when we have our speakers here and we take up an offering, it's not because they have a need. It's, it's not because, um, you know, we, we want to say, say, look at how good we are. It's actually sowing. When you give money to something like that, you're sowing a seed into that ministry. You're sowing into what they're carrying. And there's a, a spiritual law that when you sow into that, you will receive back some of that stuff. In the spirit, you know, it says, well, you know, that if we, we um, acknowledge a prophet, we get the prophet's reward. See, that's sowing a seed. You understand what I'm talking about? You see the difference? It's so important that we walk in this. Yes, and, and see, and, and, and in sowing, it's okay that, to look at what you're going to get back. You know, a farmer doesn't plant it somewhere else, plant seed and say, well, man, maybe I hope something comes up, or plant corn and say, well, gee, I hope I get pineapples. <laughs> he doesn't do that. You know, he plants, he expects that for every one seed, he's going to produce 30, 60, 100 fold. That there's going to be food to feed people. He expects the same harvest. And this, this is where the law of increase and abundance comes in. See, remember, number one, the tithe is provisional. It's, it's sowing into the Lord's house. It provides for the Lord's house. Tithe is worship. Tithe is an act of honor and obedience. And the Lord says he will provide and he will open up the windows of heaven for us. Then, then the, number two, we have giving to the needy. And there we see multiplication coming into our lives. And then the third one is where we sow the seed into fields where we have passion and vision. Where we sow in and we say, yes, we believe what the, the vision of liberty is. I'm going to sow into that. I'm not just going to tithe. I'm going to sow into it. I'm going to sow into this ministry or that ministry. Knowing that as I invest into that, it will grow and I invest into them. I will grow in my dream. Something will be released into my dream, into my destiny, to what I'm carrying. You see, it has a totally different heart. The other thing is sowing is optional. So tithe is not optional, giving to the needy is not optional, but sowing is optional. It's not based, it's not on the basis of obedience. It's not a command of God, it's actually optional. See, 
2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, how much you sow will determine how much you receive, but it's totally up to you. And as I've said before, I don't want to put any compulsion on anybody about giving anything. It's not what I'm here for. It's here because I want you to understand the principles of finance that are going to release the treasures of heaven that are yours and release you to walk in greater levels of freedom. That's what it's all about. You see, when you, you sow cheerfully, not reluctantly. You sow decisively, not just, well, whatever. I don't just care, care what goes on. You actually sow with intentionality, with an intent. You want to bless the right thing. You want to be part of this. I'm sowing here because the return is going to bring something that I want. I'm going to be part of what they're doing. And you know what? It's okay to sow generously, to receive generously. It's okay to sow generously, to receive generously. I hear people sometimes say, I don't have enough to sow. Let me read the rest of 2 Corinthians 9. Remember, I didn't write this stuff. I'm only reading it. (laughs) Now, he who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, which will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. On the cross, because it was very... You see, here God says he will supply seed to the sower. He will supply seed to the sower. So if we don't have seed, it may be because we aren't sowers. You said it, not me. (laughs) God supplies seed to the sower. And to be honest, you know, if you're a devourer, that I talked about last week, where you consume your own seed that the Lord is giving rather than realizing the Lord has actually given you seed to sow for the future. This is where we need wisdom. This is where we need to go before God and say, God, you know, how do, how do I put out my finances? How do I manage my finances? What, what is the seed that I sow? How do I do this? It's because so often the reason we don't actually have seed to sow is because we consume it rather than sowing it. You know, the, if you don't have seed, the, the serious question you need to ask yourself is simply this, are you a sower? Jack Hayford says it this way, I do, it's not, uh, if it's not large enough to meet my need, then I assume it's a seed. It's a pretty big statement, and obviously you need to be really careful with that. But there is a principle there. So you see, there are three realms of giving. There's the giving of tithes, the giving of offerings towards need, and giving of seeds, sowing into something. And each one has a, has a different result that they kind of overlap, that they come from a different place and they all end up somewhat in a different place. But each one of these actually access the true riches of heaven that we have been given to walk in. And when we learn the function in these three areas, we begin to see increase and release. 
when we show ourselves responsible in all these three areas, then we're positioning ourselves for the release of more from heaven in our lives. There's one other area that I think we need to be, we we need to, I I believe is significant for us to understand as well and realize we need to function and that will help us access these treasures. And, And it's one that's often not talked about, I think, in church in terms of stewardship and it's saving. Saving. You see, you know, sometimes I think there's been, been a thing where people kind of thought, oh, saving's not a godly principle. Uh, no, <laughs> it is a godly principle. It's a very godly principle to save. Proverbs thirteen eleven says this, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money, little by little makes it grow. Little by little makes it grow. You know, see, if, if Joseph hadn't implemented the, God's plan of saving back when there was a time of excess for a time of famine, the nation of Israel, the nation of Egypt, would have, ne- would have been wiped out. Because over those seven years of plenty, J- Joseph put a little bit aside. Just a little bit. Of, it wasn't much. It was about 5%. Not a lot. But it was enough that over those five, seven years of plenty, that when the, when the hard times hit, there was something there. And, you know, sometimes I think, unfortunately, we in our Western mindset squander in the times of good and then cry out to God in the times of need. You know, it really is a spiritual principle. We, we, you need to build in the time of plenty, not only in the spiritual, but uh, not only, sorry, in the area of finances, but in the, in the area of everything. Building your, your, your secret history with God, even, if you like. You do that in the times of plenty. And then when you do hit those, those times that are dry, you have plenty to feast on because you've built a, a, a reservoir, a treasure of the wealth of God that you can draw back. And, and, and we need to learn how to do that as, as believers. You know, saving out of fear is wrong and saving out of hoarding and keeping things for yourself is wrong. But saving based on faith and wisdom is good. It's all about the motivation of the heart. And I think one of the saddest teachings that's come into the church is this whole idea of the super spiritual beyond worrying about money, about material things. I'll just seek God and wait on him. And it sounds very, very noble. And in a way, it is, I mean, it is a biblical truth, but it's taken to excess. Because what often happens is those very same people then, what word am I looking for? <laughs> can whine <laughs> to those around them <laughs> and, and really their need is not being met by God but it's being met by those who, who are of good heart around them. But the Bible is clear. It says, if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? The reality is that the part of living an empowered Christian life is managing or stewarding our resources well. And this crazy super spiritual thing that goes on of those, uh, you know, that we don't need to save or anything like that. You know, and I understand there are times and there are seasons when you can't save. I mean, we've been through those times ourselves. And it's really hard. But even just, just a little, little upon little can bring life. You see, the, the way of the world teaches to handle money is, is, number one, we earn our money. Number two, we enjoy it. Usually we over-enjoy it and get ourselves into debt. Number three, we repay our debt from overspending. 
Number four, we save for our future needs once we're out of debt. And then number five, we give if and only if and when there may be a little bit left over. But you see, I, think, I believe a God's way of managing money is we earn our money, we tithe, giving generously to the work of the Lord. Number three, we repay our debts and we save for future needs. And then number four, we enjoy what's left over. Listen, God can do huge things with little things and he can do great things with small things. And even saving a little bit is a demonstration of responsibility. It really is. Learning, teaching, you know, for ourselves and for our children. Important. I mean, one of the things that we used to do with our children was this, we would give them pocket money, but we would never give them pocket money connected to their jobs and their chores. Because if they, they, did, they were part of our family, so there was a responsibility. That responsibility meant they had to do chores. They were part of our family, therefore there was a blessing and inheritance and they received pocket money. We never connected the two. You know, because they had a responsibility to work. It's a God-given thing, and so we encouraged them to do that. But they also, as I said, were part of the family, so we wanted to bless them. And, and it's just things like that. that you, I mean, that was just for us. But, you know, we really need to seriously look at how we do manage our money and what God's calling us to do. Proverbs 13 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And you can't have an inheritance if you don't save something. Now, you know, I, I know that there may be some here this morning that, that you know, are just making ends meet, and I really understand that. And um, please do not hear this as a, a message of guilt or anything else. And, and let us pray with you for abundance. Let us pray for you to see breakthrough in those areas. Because we believe, I believe that's part of what the body should be doing and blessing one another. So here's the thing, that stewardship was just about giving. I really did. I thought it was about God gave me things so I could give them away. So that others could be blessed. And then when... You know, and I mean, there is a truth to that. Luke 4, 12, 42 says this, The Lord said, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his household servants and feeding them. So there is a thing of giving away. I realize that. But then I also realized as I, as I, I read the scripture and looked at the parable of the miners and the talents. And, you know, again, we spiritualize them and talk about talents, our talents and what God's gifted us with. And, and, and that's reasonable. But the scripture was actually talking about talents, which was a whole heap of money. <laughs> Talents in those days meant a bag full of loot. So, you know, it was a very practical, down-to-earth illustration about managing our money. And it said, God was just simply saying, I want a return on my investment. He wants a return on our investment. And, that, and that's such an important thing. You see, we, we need to understand good stewardship is not just giving away everything that God has given us. But stewardship also includes creative ways to resource so we can increase the things that he's given us that we can apply it to the areas of our gifting and ministry. It will work there too. But he's talking about money, that we need to learn how to creatively manage our resources. Matthew 25, 29 says, To those who use well what they've been given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, God is just looking for increase in every area of life. But the thing is, he cares about us. He's, he's not looking, you know, to punish us. He's wanting to partner with us 
to walk in that place of blessing and favor and abundance and increase. And that's what all these principles of finance are about. They're not to get more money out of you. They're to, to, for you can understand so you can walk in the abundance that is available. And as I said last week, the true riches of heaven, they can include money, but they're, they're beyond money. There are whole areas of our lives where we can see um, fruit and, and inheritance and abundance being released. Do you understand that? He will give us wisdom for it. You see, I, I believe for us, I mean, you know, you know us, we have a large debt on this church. And God has been incredibly, phenomenally blessing, blessed us as we've managed the finances as well as we can. You know, we've gone from a place of eight or nine years ago where we were told that this church would not survive. And, and you know, as we've managed it and as we believe God, we've seen it increase and increase. But I'm not satisfied with where we are. I'm waiting for the day where we are so blessed in this church that every month one of the biggest decisions we have to make is who are we going to give all the money away to this month? You know, I, want to, I want to sneak into a church and pop a, a, a can we still do that, a, a bank check so our name is not on, on in someone else's offering. Man, popping $5,000 in another church thing and just walking out not saying any, and them getting it. That, that's my heart. You know, I want to give it away. But I, I also know I've got to manage what we have responsibly now to be able to walk in that. So, you know, and, and let me make, make it clear again this morning, you know, I'm not wanting to put any pressure on you concerning your tithes or your offerings. I don't want to manipulate you to give more. I don't want to bind anyone into feeling that they have to give. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about accessing the true treasures of heaven that are yours. It's about living supernaturally. It's about loving God in a manifested way. It's about having something that you can love your fellow man with in a tangible way. It's so important that we understand these things. How can we minister to the poor? How can we sow into what God is doing here in this church and beyond the walls of liberty? It's talking about loving God and loving others. We're talking about our, really talking about our destiny and core. You see, because how we handle our money does determine how much of heaven's riches we can access, both now and in the times to come. So I said last week, we can't buy a miracle. But you can show yourself to be a faithful steward. You can show yourself to be a faithful giver and a faithful saver. And out of that place, God knows he can trust us with true riches. You see, when we manage our finances according to his pattern, it positions us to that place where he can release the good stuff into our lives. You know, the true riches of heaven are given to us. And I don't know about you, but that sounds a pretty sweet deal to me. You know, I, I know your heart. I really do. I know that here today I stand in a company of givers. I mean, you guys are amazing. The amount you tithe into this house. The, the giving to needs, what we've experienced over the last few weeks where we had these needs and, of poor people, and you just generously, overwhelmingly. I mean, literally, just Sue and I just sat here, we just... We, we were dumbfounded. Sowing into the vision of what we're doing. As I said, firstly here in Liberty and then beyond that. Sowing into all that is growing in this community. Sowing into the building and those things around us as we do it here at Liberty. You, you, I'm amazed at your generosity. 
But at the same time, I want to challenge you again. I think there's so much more that God has for us to do. There are so many great ideas that are out here. There are so many dreams. There are so many visions. And I believe that as a community, as we link arms to release the true riches of the kingdom over this land, we're going to do it together. I know we want it all, don't we? And if we're going to accept, we want it all, don't we? Thank you. And if we're going to access what God has for us, it's critical that we step up. That we, we, we don't live from a defensive position in terms of our finances, but that we move to living in an offensive position. Coming into decisiveness, coming into joy, coming into generosity, that, that really understands the wisdom of transfor- the transforming ability and nature of this whole area of finances and how to fix releasing, accessing the true treasures of heaven. It's all available to us as we step into these things. Yeah? Yeah. So, Father, I just thank you right now. Father, no condemnation, no judging in this room. There is nothing like that. But, Lord, we want to tap into the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that you are here. Lord, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're leading us by the hand into new areas of seeing heaven on earth. And uh, Father, I just pray right now for more wisdom. Lord, that, that we're there, Father, for more, that to just be a release, Lord. We want to access those, those uh, treasures of heaven to walk in the things that you want us to walk in. Hey, why don't we all stand up? Can I, can I have the worship team up? Yeah, thank you, Lord. Father, I pray right now for a renewing of our minds. Father, that we would begin to to live in just this really practical area from heaven's perspective. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you would redeem these areas in our lives. Father, we want to have the right heart and the right spirit. Father, we can see dreams and visions and passions and ideas that are in this house released. Father, that we can walk in the fullness of what you've called us to. And so, Father, I just thank you that we have this incredible opportunity to be able to take that which you've blessed us with and release it to bless, Father, not only the house, but those around us, to sow into the areas of dreams, Father, to save, to to use things that can be brought glory to your kingdom. And so, Father, we just thank you for that. Just release a fresh thing. Father, we want to be, we want to be uh, offensive with our finances. Lord, we want to see them used to the glory, for your glory. To break bondages, to bring freedom and life into people's lives, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, let's just finish with a song, shall we? ...of extravagance, of abundance that they just give all the time. ...at the areas of giving to God. ...believers is the giving of alms. Now, you, you may term it's Acts 10, verse 2, feared God with all his household, for arms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now, that's the new King James, who gave arms generously to the people. The NIV says, gave generously to those in need. 
And that's what it's really talking about there. The word arms in the Greek is mean, it means mercy or pity. So the second type of giving that we as believers are called to release in our lives is giving to those in need. And, and you know, giving to the poor is actually a key to prosperity and abundance. And this type of giving is based out of compassion and need. See, we, we, we need to understand that, that um, we do not tithe based on need, nor should we tithe on our feelings. We, we, we give the tithe with, well, because it's a, it's a command of God. We give tithe out of obedience. And God has set the boundaries for, for what we do, and I covered some of that last week. Of the tithe. But when it comes to giving to the poor, you have all kinds of freedom. You have all sorts of, of choices in this ministry. It's optional how much you give, when you give. The only thing that's not optional is that you do give. In other words, it's not optional that you give because the Bible commands that we are to give to the poor. Giving to the poor was a requirement of the New Testament church. You know, I love what William Barclay said about this type of giving. He says, The finest gifts are given. Not after waiting until a need has to be asked for, but by the man whose eyes sees and whose heart feels and whose hand is stretched out even before the request is made. It is while we were yet the enemies that Christ died for us. God hears our prayers even before we speak them, and we should be to our fellow man even as God has been to us. Isn't that cool? In other words, we shouldn't just be waiting for needs to be asked for. We should be watching for areas. We should be listening for those in need. We should, our hands should be poised to release blessing into those with need and those who are poor. You know, Jesus taught, this was taught by Jesus, one of the acts of righteousness for everyone it's one of the acts that we as believers should perform. Matthew 6, which is a, you know, really the whole chapter, is about giving. And he says this, Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose a reward from your, heaven, from your Father in heaven. But when you give to someone in need, when you give to someone in need, not if you give, but when you give. And, and so I really want to make a strong distinction this morning. Tithe is an area of obedience that we give to God in honor to worship and to bless him. And again, it, it's for the, it, the, the church benefits. It benefits man, but its focus is on God. When you give the tithe, you're giving to God, although the, the benefits go to man. But when it comes to giving to the poor, we are actually giving to the need. You understand that? We're actually giving to the person in need. But God takes it very personally. See, there, there are two different, if you like, there are two different directions involved when we tithe and when we give to those in need. To, the tithe is commanded. How you give, when you give, uh, are all set out. But when you give to those in need, when you give out of compassion, it's just commanded that you give because you have a heart for the poor. Because you have a passion for those in need. And, it's, and you know, tell you what, it is okay to be moved by need. You give because of the need. That's okay. I mean, Jesus ministered, it says again and again in the New Testament, out of, out of encounter, out of um, a mercy, out of compassion, out of the need that he encountered. But listen, it's not an option to give to the needy. 
You understand what I'm saying? How you give to the needy is up to you, but it's not. we need to build that into our system of life. We really do need to build it into our system of life. It's found, it was foundational to the New Testament church. When Paul and Silas were being sent out, being commissioned to go out and preach the gospel to the Gentile world, it says this in Galatians 2. In fact, James, Peter and John, who are known as the pillars of the church, recognized the gift of God, the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep the preaching to the, gospel, to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Now listen to this. The only thing they asked us to do so here's, okay, so here's the setting. Paul and Barnabas are meeting with the apostolic leaders of the church. This is the turning point. The church is about to move from just being a, a subset in Judaism and to begin to preach to the Gentile world. And they've met and they've talked and they've prayed and they've fellowshiped and, and it's been recognized that Paul and Barnabas are to be sent out and they're saying, go, go out into the world, go to that Gentile world. But there's one thing we ask you to do. What was that? The only thing they asked us to do, verse 10 of Galatians 2, the only thing they asked us to do was that we keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. 